listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with execs designed to provide leaders practical insights to build healthy organisations which strengthen their competitive advantage. I'm your host, James McHugh, Head of Corporate Social Impact at Apricot Consulting. And today I'm joined by Vincent Sully from the Victorian Government's Department of Jobs, Precincts and Regions. Vincent is an experienced Principal Policy Officer and he's got a demonstrated history of working in government administration industry. Our discussion today is on the topic of social procurement and the Victorian government's social procurement framework. So welcome, Vincent. Great to have you with us. Thank you, James. So, Vincent, firstly, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, your your background and experience and um, your role at DJPR. Sure. I've been in the public service for over 20 years. And uh, a good deal of that time has been in the areas of social policy, so working with specific cohorts, young people, Aboriginal Victorians, people with disability, and I've also spent some time working in regional Victoria. I live in Ballarat, so uh, I'm having a a nice time now because I've been at home for 12 months, so it's been lovely not to travel down to Melbourne. Uh, But I've also been involved in regional planning work, being from regional Victoria, And my most recent work has been in the area of social and economic policy. So I'm currently acting manager for the inclusion policy and advisory team uh, in the employment and inclusion group within DJPR. So we have uh, a strong focus on on growing the social economy and on uh, micro-enterprise development and, of course, uh, on managing the social procurement framework. So that's my, uh, my... brief background in a, my 20-year history in a very, very short period. And uh, that's that's what I'm uh, up to now, yeah. Great. In a nutshell, hey, just that 20 years all in one. <laughs> Good on you, Vincent. Hey, um, you, you mentioned there about the social procurement framework. Uh, tell us a little bit about how it's been developed, uh, why it was developed, uh, and uh, what, what sort of some success that we've seen so far in its uh, very short lifespan. Sure. Yeah, as you say, it's a pretty short lifespan. It would, came into operation in September of 2018. The history of the framework is actually quite a fascinating case study. It was initially mooted back in February 2017. At that point, it had some four key objectives around Aboriginal Victorians, Victorians with disability, uh, encouraging gender equality and, and procuring from social enterprises. And then uh, there was a development in April 2017, the International Standard Organisation published a document on sustainable procurement. And so the Minister for Energy, Environment and Climate Change requested that the framework incorporate some sustainable procurement objectives. So at that point, the tally was seven objectives, four social and three sustainable objectives. And then uh, there was an interest by the government in regional Victoria and some work being done to support regional development. So a request then that uh, an objective be incorporated around sustainable Victorian regions. So that was added in. And then uh, also there was some work uh, with the Victorian Jobs Partnership and uh, a request for an ob- objective around creating opportunities for disadvantaged Victorians. So by that we mean groups such as 
single parents or workers in transition, migrants and refugees, uh, disengaged young people, those sorts of groups. At the very last uh, moment, the 11th hour, we had uh, incorporation of some objectives around fair and equitable treatment of Victorian workers, uh, looking at industrial relations compliance and promoting secure employment. So we ended up, um, by the time it was launched in 2018 in, in, in April, uh, as I say, it came into operation in September. Uh, at that time when it was launched, the policy had 10 objectives and 16 outcomes from that. So uh, I think broadly, James, you know, what the government's keen on is that we have $32 billion of procurement expenditure. We see that as a, a, a massive opportunity to really leverage better outcomes for, for all Victorians. Uh, social, as I mentioned, and sustainable outcomes for all Victorians. So, so that's the why. Mm. And uh, it's just too good an opportunity to, to uh, let pass. I think it's fair to say I'm not probably giving away any trade secrets that we'd like to see some better outcomes from the yeah. framework. We certainly have had um, some good things happen. We spent uh, in the last financial year $135 million and we engaged um, 45 social benefit suppliers. So by that I mean Aboriginal businesses or social enterprises or disability enterprises. Now, within that, we spent $14 million on uh, what we call certified social enterprises. So we get some advice uh, from key groups about whether or not certain organisations meet our litmus test, if you like, for a social yeah. enterprise. Uh, we also spent, though, $83 million on other social enterprises that, that maybe haven't been certified in that way but still have very important contribution to make. And again, with Aboriginal businesses, we spent $37 million with 90 uh, verified Aboriginal businesses and another $9 million with uh, other Aboriginal organisations who have enterprising activities. So uh, an important distinction that's worth making is that when the government directly engages uh, these kinds of groups, the Aboriginal business or social enterprise or disability enterprise, we call that direct social procurement. But we realise, in fact, the enormous opportunities through what we call indirect social procurement. So we might go out and engage just a mainstream supplier and we might say to that group, okay, what can you do for us in terms of employing some of the priority job seeker groups we have in mind? And what can you do for us in terms of including some of these social benefit suppliers in your supply chain. So we're working to get a better handle on just exactly how much we're expending through that means. But we can say uh, from some of the work that the major transport infrastructure authority is doing that we spent uh, 15.3 million with social enterprises in the last financial year. We had massive amounts of employment hours for groups like refugees and asylum seekers, 66,000 almost $80,000 hours, rather, for the long-term unemployed, 33 hours for disengaged young people. Um, over a half a million employment hours for Aboriginal people mm. and $58.3 million with, uh, spent with Victorian Aboriginal businesses and organisations. So, you know, I think these are uh, outcomes that we're proud of. As I say, outcomes that we're always trying to improve. Mm. It's perhaps important to bear in mind that the breadth of change where trying to achieve is not insignificant. Mm. It does take a while for that change to, to flow through. Uh, as I say, it applies to all of our expenditure, our $32 billion worth of expenditure. There are 275 Victorian government departments and agencies that are required to uh, comply with the framework, so it takes a while to get the message out to all of them and to mm. um, gear them up to be able to fulfil their responsibilities. 
and as I say, it's, it has 10 objectives and 16 outcomes. So it's quite a complex policy to, to get across. Yeah. And it takes a while uh, for us to communicate that not only across government, but also externally to our stakeholders outside of government. Certainly um, promising signs for the future as well, Vincent. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the role DJP, uh, DJPR uh, plays in social procurement? Absolutely. We, we have a very broad role in social procurement. Firstly, we set the broad uh, policy parameters through our social enterprise strategy. So the strategy really is about supporting the social enterprise sector and you know, trying to position Victoria as leading the country uh, in driving inclusive employment and uh, inclusive economic growth through, through social enterprise and social benefit suppliers. Um, as I said before, we, we have a range of aims around growing the social economy, developing the micro-enterprise sector and, and managing the, the SPF. But as part of all of that work, we fund some of the key peak bodies, social traders in Kinaway, and they support uh, their respective groups, social enterprises and Aboriginal businesses with training, information and advice. So, so uh, it's very important that those peaks are there as a resource uh, for all of those smaller businesses. They also hold workshops and events to inform social benefit suppliers about the social procurement framework. So they're educating them about what the framework is about and how they can position themselves to win work. Uh, and they also play a very key role for us in certifying and verifying uh, both social enterprises and Aboriginal businesses. So that means that every time a government buyer goes out to engage uh, one of those certified or, or verified uh, businesses, they know um, that they're authentic and that they can help them meet their requirements under the framework. Right. And, and recently the social procurement framework moved from the Department of Treasury and Finance to DJPR. Mm -hmm. um, so why was that decision made and what's it going to mean, Vincent, for contracts and contractors? What should, what should they be conscious of? Sure. It's, uh, look, it was made uh, for a number of reasons. Firstly, we wanted to uh, streamline administratively the, the operation of the policy. So bringing it under the umbrella of one department uh, really makes things a little bit easier in terms of the way it works its, uh, itself through government and getting decisions made, et cetera. Um, we, we still share some responsibilities with DTF. So uh, Treasury and Finance is doing a little bit of work to monitor uh, those higher value government procurements of $20 million and above and to make sure that those deliver on the social procurement commitments that they've made. Uh, and they also provide a little bit of an advisory function around how the SPF integrates with the government's broader procurement framework. So that's uh, a very critical role that they, they play. So DJPR now is picking up responsibility for both uh, supporting government buyers and uh, suppliers. And it, it communicates a very clear message about where the SPF rests. You know, it's, it's now our baby and uh, we'll have one uh, dedicated phone line and email for everyone to come through to us so people don't have to go across different parts of government to find out about the framework. Uh, and because we're operating both the buyer and supplier sides of the equation, you know, we can achieve greater synergies and linkages between those two areas. So hopefully, James, what we can achieve through all of that is a bit of a streamlining of the procurement policy landscape. and. Um, as part of that also, we're looking to improve our interface with businesses to make sure that when they have to report on government policies, that's as easy as possible. And we're working with the Industry Capability Network 
to develop a, a reporting solution to make it very easy for businesses to report on their SPF outcomes um, so that, you know, we, we acknowledge that businesses have many different government policies to adhere to and we want to make that uh, job of, of theirs as easy as possible. And, um, Vincent, the year that was, 2020, the craziness of the year, um, we're hearing constantly now jobs, 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 recovery, jobs. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the budget outcomes from 2020 regarding job creation and recovery and possibly what we can look forward to um, in 2021? Absolutely. Well, that's one of the exciting stories that we had uh, a pretty good outcome from the most recent budget and uh, $17 million, in fact, came to towards the operation of the social procurement framework. So a large chunk of that went to a group called Jobs Bank. Mm -hmm. Jobs Bank works with partners with employers to create uh, more job opportunities for priority job seekers. So they've picked up uh, $15 million to strengthen their work with employers and uh, what they'll be doing is making sure employers really understand uh, inclusive employment, what it's about, and also their obligations under the social procurement framework. So that's uh, a really exciting development. A further $2 million was received to provide more support to industry to implement the SPF. So, you know, the different components of the equation have been looked after. Uh, we're developing some work and some support activities for industry at the moment. Probably can't say too much about that at this stage, but uh, have to come back at a later point and talk about that. Um, but, you know, essentially what that means is that we're really getting the message out there that this is not just about, you know, coming back from where we were. This is about making sure we bring all Victorians along for the journey. So it's very much about an inclusive economic recovery. Uh, the government has, as you would know, James, has a major project around infrastructure spend. Mm -hmm. So we want to really leverage as many opportunities for Victorians as we can, making sure that the, the groups that we um, care for or look after get a bit of a, a look in as we move forward with all of that. Right. And um, on the social procurement framework, where is DJPR looking to take it and uh, what should contractors be considering for the future? Look, I think there's probably, I could probably talk for days about where we'd like to take it. We've uh, done a fair bit of research. We've had some uh, groups go out and uh, consult with businesses about the guidance that we provide to them. And they've come back and provided some really interesting insights into, um, you know, the way it works out there at the coalface. And if I could just share one little yeah. anecdote, which is probably a little bit amusing, and that is that we, um, we had a, a, a bit of a theory about the way it all worked, and that was that, you know, businesses would go away and do their research about the social procurement framework, and then they'd be very well equipped to respond to tenders, and then if they were successful at winning the tender, they'd, um, they'd be able to go forth and, and, and do all of the work. But in fact, you know, a, a lot of businesses, uh, they're obviously uh, smaller, and they don't have the time or the capacity to really do that. And uh, it's, it's around about the time that tenders are released when they tend to uh, go into a bit of a panic about working out, well, what does this social procurement thing mean and how do we get support and information and resources? So we've re-geared all of our advice mm. uh, and guidance to suppliers to really reflect the reality of the way they operate. Uh, and some of the messages that are coming back to us is that we really need to look to be simplifying the framework. Mm. You know, we have these 10 objectives and 16 outcomes, but broadly, James, I think we, what we're talking about is we're talking about fair and inclusive employment, 
we're talking about supplier diversity, and we're talking about outcomes for the environment. So those three key themes we want to you know, get out there as, as, as what the framework is all about. We want to make sure also, as I've mentioned, that this is as easy as possible for businesses. So really simplifying and streamlining the procurement policy landscape so that they understand their obligations, so that it's easy for them to report. Um, you know, that's, that's, we see that as a critical need. Another key thing is that we really want to improve our reporting. So uh, I've mentioned to you some figures before that we've achieved in the last 12 months, but we don't feel that we're capturing the full story of the impact of the SPF. And so we've engaged the Industry Capability Network to develop a, a reporting solution. And this will capture outcomes from both the social procurement framework and local jobs for, first, and uh, will make it considerably easier for suppliers to support on their social procurement framework outcomes. So we really want to uh, improve that reporting so that we can accurately tell the story of the impact of the SPF. We're very interested in also the local government sector. Uh, the framework doesn't currently apply to uh, the local government sector in an official capacity, but we know many councils are doing great work with social procurement, and we'd like to see that perhaps rolled out a bit more extensively right across uh, right across all councils. And of course, we're always looking to improve capacity and so developing tools to roll out across the government, e-learning modules, training videos, et cetera, uh, to provide clear information about where they can get support. And I think one of the other key things, uh, James, is that there are many initiatives that the government's had ongoing and it has recently funded as well that impact on the social procurement framework. So we've had an expanded uh, Jobs Victoria service, a, a, a very large sum of money, $619 million, uh, received from the budget to expand the Jobs Victoria service. There's Jobs Bank I've mentioned before. There's the local Jobs First policy. Uh, there's also some work being done in government on an inclusive employment framework. So uh, we really need to bring all of those component parts together and make sure that they're talking to one another and, and well integrated in order to get the best out of the framework. So I think that'll be a key uh, focus for as well. Uh, it really is about integrating all of those different different parts. For their part, contractors, we, we want them to really be gearing up to make sure that they're um, prepared for social procurement. You know, one of the key messages for us is that we really want social procurement to be business as usual. So we want businesses to know, you know, we want them to, to, to know who they need to reach out to, where they can get support, what are their social procurement strengths and how, how can they play to those, you know, what policies can they develop around the environment, perhaps around women. And we've developed quite recently some uh, refreshed supply guidance, which we hope to publish shortly, which will really tackle uh, many of those issues as well. Well, Vincent, we're nearly out of time, but it's been incredibly informative. Uh, one last question for executives and managers that will be listening to this podcast right now. What's the key takeaway that you would like to leave with them? Perhaps I could leave you with two key takeaways. Yeah. One I've just mentioned really is that social procurement now is, is business as usual. So every time the government comes to you, if they're looking to buy a good, a service or some construction, we're going to be asking what social and sustainable outcomes can you deliver for us? So a key message really is it's, it's now BAU. We want you to gear yourselves up uh, for social procurement. As a, and as I say, we'll have some advice and guidance coming out about that very soon. And look, the other thing, James, is that we, particularly with this transfer across to DJPR, we really want to 
uh, open up our arms and say we're very, if you have any concerns or questions, come and talk to us. Mm. So, uh, you know, there's that old cliche in the B-grade comedies about, you know, we're from the government and we're here to help. But uh, it is true. We do want to be supportive and we've got a currently got a bit of an interim email. So I might just mention that for you. It's um, uh, capital S-E-I, um, inclusion, at echodev.vic.gov.au. So uh, there's not... So capital S-E-I-N-C-L-U-S-I-O-N at echodev.vic.gov.au. So we're also working to establish a dedicated uh, phone line for the SPF and an email address as well. And uh, as soon as those details are available, I'm very happy to share those with you. That's just a bit of an interim uh, an email address. And as I say, we're very, very keen to engage with stakeholders, both within government and outside of government. And please, uh, if you have any concerns or queries or questions, you're very welcome to, to reach out to us. Yes, thank you, Vincent. And for our listeners, we will put that email address in our show notes so you'll be able to find it uh, there. Um, Vincent, thank you again for your insights today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us here on Inside Healthy Teams. If you enjoyed today's podcast and wish to check out our other episodes, please rate and subscribe. Or you can head to our website or LinkedIn page to search for Apricot Consulting. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.